So, um, when I was a rookie, when I was a rookie pastor, which was 20, almost 20 years ago, this year will be 20 years, um, there was a veteran pastor who, who gave me this advice. He said, never underestimate the amount of guilt that people come into your church with on a Sunday morning or on a day of worship. And I, I'll be honest, I don't think about that every time uh, we gather for worship, but probably more Sundays than not. I, I think about that, you know, what guilt are people carrying in on their shoulders as they come to church? Or what guilt are they carrying as they, as they press a little play button and they watch it at home? And so, you know, you, you kind of ask, you know, what, what guilt are, did we bring in here today? Or, or maybe we're not carrying guilt, maybe we're carrying a, a whole bunch of other stuff as we come in here today. Maybe we're, you know, we're frustrated because we don't maybe understand what God's plan is for our family, or we are, are fed up with people at work, or there's drama at work, or maybe there's, you know, we're just, we've had it up to here with these scheduling conflicts, and we don't, you know, we still don't know what our Christmas plans are because they're up in the air, and, uh, you know, our, our to-do list gets longer and longer. We maybe started to scribble out a to-do list on a pad of paper, and all of a sudden the, the pad of paper isn't big enough of, of all these things. And, and, and so whatever we're bringing, whether it's guilt or frustration or just all this other frantic things, uh, we have this wonderful gift that God has for us tonight to open. And again, as was mentioned before, just following our series, Every Good and Perfect Gift, uh, tonight we get to open up this gift that we're going to call Comfort. Uh, you heard it earlier in the reading, you heard it in the song, but uh, Comfort, Comfort My People. Uh, that was the directive that God gave to Isaiah uh, to tell to his people. Now, we may be asking, okay, what was the comfort that... Isaiah's intended listeners. Why did they need to hear that word? Comfort, comfort, uh, my people, says, says God. And, and that's maybe not as easy an answer, easy question to answer, because when Isaiah was writing this, he really had two intended audiences. Uh, Isaiah lived about 700 years before Jesus. And by the time that he was the, on the scene, uh, the kingdom of Israel, which is where God's people lived, uh, had, had already split into two kingdoms. There was like, now there, there's a big divide. And the northern kingdom had just been conquered by a group called the Assyrians. Mighty, mighty Assyrians, they were a, a, a nation to the north, and they were just these brutal, brutal people. Um, I can't really keep this PG uh, sermon and let you know that everything that they did that was so bad to people. Uh, maybe just a little head, or maybe a way of describing it is, remember Jonah and the big fish? Uh, it was the Assyrians that God said, hey, I want you to go and tell them uh, to repent, and I want you to share the good news. And, and Jonah's like, no, I'm, not, I'm never going to go to the Assyrians. And that's what caused them to hop on a ship and try to sail the other way. And so they're just these brutal, brutal people. And they had come in and they had conquered the northern half of Israel. And Isaiah is a worker, a prophet for God in the southern half. And so here's these Assyrians. And they had conquered the north and now they're knocking on the southern door, on the, on the door to the southern part of the kingdom, which is sometimes called Judah. 
And so you can understand why God tells Isaiah, say, hey, I want you to preach a message of comfort. Comfort, comfort my people. Because they're scared that these Assyrians are coming in. Now, thankfully and fortunately, uh, the Assyrians did not conquer their southern kingdom. However, a little over a century later, 100 plus years later, the southern kingdom wouldn't fare so well. Uh, there would be a new kingdom that was kind of the powerhouse of the area. They were called the Babylonians. They were from the east. And they came into the, to the southern half and they conquered it. And it, it fell. It fell hard. Uh, it didn't just fall, but the Babylonians took all the brightest and best people and hauled them off into captivity, into their own country. And they were there for 70 years living in exile. And their beautiful city, their beautiful country was pretty much leveled, as you maybe saw in that song that was some of those walls being knocked down. And their, their beautiful capital city of Jerusalem was destroyed, this cultural center, this worship center, including the temple. And while Isaiah the prophet was not alive to see that, God allowed him to look 100 plus years down the road and see this coming. So Isaiah is writing to his contemporaries, but he's also writing to people 120, 130 years down the road that he would never meet. But God allowed him to see this, and so God's saying, I want you to write to these people who are captives, who are exiles, and, and I want you to write a message for them. And you think about that, you know, what would that be like if, if God gave you that opportunity, that privilege to look 110, 120 years down the road, and you saw your great-great-grandchildren being hauled out of their, of their homes, being risked away, whisked away from their, their homeland, away from their country, uh, seeing their houses burned, seeing their churches leveled. You know, if you were to sit here today and write a letter to them, what would you, what would you say? That's Isaiah's job right here. And that's where God says, this is what I want you to say, comfort, comfort my people. But it's not just his contemporaries, and it's not just the people a hundred years down the road. Uh, God also really allows Isaiah to see 700 years down the road, and he allows him to see the promise fulfilled in Christ that Jesus would come. And in many ways, he allows Isaiah to look 2,700 years down the road, and to see you and me. As we read through these words, it, it becomes so apparent that God has you and me in mind as he says, hey, I've got a gift for you. Comfort. Uh, comfort my people. So as we open up this gift tonight, uh, there's some beautiful ways that God describes what this comfort does for us and how, how he comforts us. Uh, just looking at these, at these words, uh, the way it starts here is, you know, comfort, comfort my people, speak tenderly to them. Why? That her hard service has been completed. Or sometimes you heard in the song, tell her her warfare is over. And that's maybe even a, think of service like that way, like service in a country, service in war. That's really the illustration that, that God is using here. And, and I've, I've never served in the, the military, uh, so I can only imagine what this would be like. But imagine like a commanding officer uh, telling his soldiers, all right, pack up, you're going home. And, and that was really the message that 
God was saying through Isaiah to these people who were in exile, that you're away from your country and you're saying, guess what? Your, your hard service is over. You're, you're going home. And just imagine what comfort that would have been like. I mean, for some of them, if they're there for 70 years, some of them maybe only heard stories about what it was like back in the homeland. They were they're born in captivity. Or others, it had been, you know, 80% of their life. It's been, maybe they were five when they left, and now they're 75, and they just have longed for that day, and now they hear that. And that's that, that comfort that God is saying. He said, your, your hard service is over. How comforting that would be. But, but then it's like God just piles up one comforting thought after another. He, even better than your hard service is over, he goes on to say, tell them that their sin has been paid for. And, and it really doesn't get more uh, beautiful gospel than that. You know, that every debt that we ever racked up against God, every guilt uh, that we have, every tally mark uh, of sin that we have, you know, etched against God, it's just, it's wiped out, it's erased. And then God says, I can even do better than that. Don't even just tell them that their hard service is over. Don't just tell them that their, their sin is paid for, but as it says here, that they have received double. Uh, they have received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. What, what's that mean? It's like, um, maybe put it this way. It's like, God is saying, don't just think you squeaked by with forgiveness. Like, there was barely enough uh, forgiveness there. It's not like, let's say we racked up, let's, let's talk about it in money terms, because it's talking about payment here. Let's say you, you rack up $50 worth of, of debt, of guilt, of sin against God. And God's like, oh, i got to forgive that. And he, he's, you know, he's looking around for all his money, and I, oh, I've only got 49 so he's in the couch cushions looking for coins, and he's under the, the car seats, and he's like, forty nine ninety seven, $49.98. 49.98. Oh, and he finds that last payment. All right, 50. I've got enough to pay for forgiveness. God's like, no. He doesn't just have barely enough forgiveness to cover our sins. It's like God just pulls out a crisp $100 bill. He says, here, that should cover it. That there's, He's got way more forgiveness to offer than we can even sin. And what a, what a beautiful thought. I, I think of in Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul says, where, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. That we can never exhaust a God's forgiveness fund. We can never deplete His forgiveness fund. There's, he's got more than double uh, ready to pay for whatever our sins are. And so you, you think about that. That I can never sin so much. Not that we should try, but I can never outsin God's grace. I can never outsin God's forgiveness. And so if we come in here tonight with carrying guilt on our shoulders, that's the comfort. That's the comfort that we can be assured of. Uh, that that what is really number one point here is that our battle versus sin is done. Our warfare is over against sin. Now, I, I really could say amen right now, and that would be a good enough message to go home. Uh, but, but Isaiah has so much more here. And, and if we read, there's at least four things that I see in these 11 verses that really bring comfort. If we read the rest of the chapter, or the rest of the chapters of Isaiah, we'd even find more. Uh, but let's just look at some of the other points in the second, the second paragraph. So he, he basically says, okay, your sin is paid for, 
But then he goes on to this whole thing, and he talks about, uh, in the wilderness prepare a way for the Lord. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. Uh, the rough ground become level, the rugged places of the plain, the, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Um, as was mentioned when we, when we did our reading from Mark today, this is really, we know that this is pointing ahead to John the Baptist. We, we hear that he's the one who, who these words are really talking about. And, and how did he prepare uh, the way for the Lord? How was he, he, he preached in the desert, so we, we see him doing that. Um, but his main message to prepare people's hearts was to repent. And, and to turn away from our sins. And he uses these pictures of mountains and valleys, which are so fitting for us here in, in the Reno area. And he kind of says, okay, if we've got this mountain of sin that separates us from God, or we've, we've dug ourselves this valley of sin that stands between us and God, he says, stop sinning. Get off that mountain. I know everybody here seems to like to hike, but he would say, forget hiking. Get off the mountain of sin. Or fill in the valleys of guilt. Um, you know, and it, but it's not just John. It's not just John the Baptist who, who preaches this message of repentance and stop sinning. Uh, throughout the ages, God has used many people to say that. He uses people in our own lives. I, you know, I can say it right now. If, if there's a mountain of sin uh, that we find ourselves clinging to, right now the message would be stop climbing it. And we say, well... Okay, I thought this was a message of comfort. Where's, where's the comfort in being told, stop sinning? Where's the comfort in being told, repent? Well, it's what comes after that. That is, repentance prepares our hearts. Look what it says here. It says, and then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. You think of what the angels sang to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest. That the, in Jesus, they would have the glory of God revealed to them and how that, that changed their lives. And that's the same thing that, that he tells us here. He says, as we repent, as we prepare our hearts, the, the Lord will come. And, you know, and, and maybe when we look at our, our life right now and we look at how frustrated are we are, we're, we're just... We want to throw our hands up with this thing that we call everyday life. How beautiful, how comforting to know that one day it's going to end. And, and that's really the comfort, that's the gift that God has for you and for me to unwrap tonight, uh, that, that uh, the Lord is coming. This isn't the way that life is always going to be like. You know, everybody says right now, well, I can't wait to get back to normal. Let's go beyond that. We can't wait until the Lord is coming. That's the comfort that you and I have as Christians. And, we, and that's great, but maybe the question is, well then, what do we do in the meantime? What do we do until that time that, that He comes and, and His glory is revealed to us? Yeah, I get that's going to be comforting, but, but what about right now? And, and Isaiah has something to say about that too, and he says, it's not going to be you, it's not going to be me. We're just like, that was that phrase is about, hey, it's, we're like grass that withers and just blows away. We can't depend on ourselves. But this is what he says here. He says, the word of our God endures forever. The word of our God is what comforts us during the midst of this world. And I don't know if we always 
just appreciate the depth uh, or the promise of what that means, that the, the word of the Lord is always there. Maybe it's a little more evident this year in this, this chaotic year or this year in which you know, things just seem to be fleeting. But one thing has stayed the same, and that's his word. His word endures. You know, and I was kind of thinking about that. Uh, maybe you would know about this. Um, but I was listening in on a conversation on last Sunday, you know, in the conversation time or the calorie time or the coffee time after church, whatever you want to call it, fellowship time. And it was a, a grandparent talking about their frustrations helping their, their grandchild through this um, online uh, schooling. And they were talking about the new math um, and how it's not a good thing. And it, I, I don't know much about the new math. I hear about it. Uh, once in a while, but you know, it's kind of funny to me to think there's new math when for something as standard as 2 plus 2 equals 4. I mean, how many variants can you have uh, to new math? But if something as simple as math has to change, it maybe even contrasts or, or highlights that in the Word we have something that, that doesn't change. You know, you ever think about that? that this word that, that I'm talking to you about tonight that we're, we're reading and studying is the very same word that Isaiah wrote 2,700 years ago and that they were reading and studying back then. Or, or this is the same word that Jesus was studying when he was in Saturday school or what he was teaching when he was in the synagogue. This is the same word uh, that our parents learned or our grandparents or, or other people throughout the country. It, it's here and it's here and, and it endures forever. And, and so when you think of, you know, if we came in here tonight and what, what was just agitating us is that nothing seems to be normal, everything seems to be in chaos, open up this gift and, and we see comfort in the stability of, of God's promises, the stability of His Word uh, that endures forever. And so uh, that's kind of the, the third point of this comfort. And then uh, we, we finally get to this idea, well, um, yeah, okay, the Word of God endures forever, but, but why should I believe it? And, and you look at, at what this Word does, and it tells us why we should believe it, because it, it doesn't act as a mirror showing us that, oh, you're, you're so pathetic. I mean, yeah, there's that law that shows us our sins in here, but more than showing us ourselves, this word turns our eyes and focuses it on, on our Savior. Or as it says here, it says, here is your God. This is what I want you to look at. See, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and with his mighty arm. And that mighty arm then, as it goes on, it tends, your, tends you like a shepherd it, and gathers his lambs into his arms and he, and he carries them close to his heart. You know, and maybe that's just this other thing of whatever is causing our heart to flutter these days or to be agitated. This is the comfort that God has for us is that he grabs us in his arms and he holds us tight. And as we hear his heart he speaks tenderly to our hearts. He says, I've got you. Uh, that's the comfort. 
that he gives you. So it's just boom, 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 boom. You know, it's really four points in these 11 verses. Uh, how, how great is the gift of comfort that our battle versus sin is done. It's already done in the past, so that's a past blessing. Uh, we have the Lord is coming in the future. We've got the word of our God endures right now. And then we've got the Lord who holds us close to his heart. And again, we maybe can ask, well, okay, if that's the gift of comfort, how come I don't feel comfortable? You know, how come I still get caught up in all these things? Or how do I know this gift really had my name tag on it if I don't feel it? And that's where I, we need to go back to those opening words of how this whole section started. Comfort, comfort, my people, says my God. That It's all wrapped up in that little word, my. That God reminds us that you aren't just you, but you're his people. You're his person. You're his child. And because that's who you are, comfortable is what is, it can become what you are. You are his child, and so you can be guaranteed that he's talking to you. He says, comfort, comfort. And so uh, my prayer for you is simply that, that we realize and cherish this gift uh, that we get to unwrap in these kind of cool words uh, from Isaiah chapter 40.